You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. I'm Pei Chan filling in for Jeff today. Um, the cost of food prices has been making news a lot lately because it's impossible to avoid the fact that everything costs more money now. Um, and an organization that I uh, personally support and am a huge fan of is Food Share Toronto. Uh, they do some amazing work. But one thing that um, they have, which I think is fantastic for those uh, in the GTA, is they have this really great produce box, which you can order online to have delivered. And it's incredibly affordable. And I know that from talking to Executive Director Paul Taylor just a few weeks ago, that the increase and the demand of those um, produce boxes definitely went up during the pandemic as fewer people were going out to get groceries and more people needed to have things delivered to them. Um, Paul, it's so nice to have you back. Be back. Thanks for having me, Pei. Now, let's just give an overview uh, for listeners who are not familiar with Food Share and tell them what it is that you do. Okay, so I'd say, you know, I like to start with saying that food shares work really begins with the recognition that we all have a right to food and we want we want people to be able to feed themselves, you know, feed their loved ones and feed their communities with dignity. So we advocate for food justice by supporting local community based food initiatives and through our ongoing advocacy work. So just a couple of examples, some of the community based food initiatives that we've worked with um, communities to develop include things like what we call good food markets. So we've helped develop 50 community-led produce markets across the city. We've worked with uh, alongside residents of the Flemington Park community and some local community partners there to transform a hydro corridor into a productive urban farm where residents are able to grow food and then sell the, the food that they're growing. So I, I guess ultimately what we're doing is, you know, I describe our work as, you know, building community-led food assets in communities that have faced chronic underinvestment. Now, I wonder if some people might think, oh, okay, are you a food bank, but you're not? No, we're not. Um, yeah, we don't give out free food. It hasn't historically been a part of our model. Certainly during the pandemic, we pivoted and partnered and supported a, a bunch of folks across the city as best we could with access to free produce. But we've really been focused on challenging the systems that cause people to be food insecure, and then working with the communities that have been most disadvantaged by those systems to build the kind of interventions that they feel work for them. So we hear about the rise in food costs, which has been particularly noticeable uh, in the past few months. Um, housing costs, you know, living in uh, you know a major city or throughout the GTA is quite expensive. Uh, it impacts the most vulnerable, but working and middle class people are really starting to feel the pinch as well. So what are the you know what are the solutions in your mind? Oh, it's so simple, and I wish our, our, our is government. It? It, it is simple, and I okay. wish our government would would admit how simple it is because when i talk to people that are food insecure i actually realize that it has very little to do with food because food is the kind of thing that you know uh, is not it's a flexible cost so people compromise their food their food that they're purchasing when other costs that are fixed are are, are too high so when housing costs are too high when childcare costs are too high when our medicine is too high and we don't have a pharmacare program those are the things that are really having an impact on people's ability to access food. And of course, having a decent and adequate wage to be able to, to live, in, in our, in, live in cities like Toronto and be able to buy the food that one needs. Now, it is tough for a lot of 
uh, Ontario residents who are in uh, minimum wage jobs to suddenly be able to, you know, bump that up by 50% or a couple of dollars an hour. Uh, but in your mind, there there is a model which works. And I've always found it very fascinating that at FoodShare, um, an organization like yours, which is a relatively regional, that you are able to pay, I believe, is it all your employees um, a living a living wage? Yeah, so we have a couple of things. We have one that uh, the lowest pay, the lowest um, wage at, at FoodShare is twenty four dollars an hour. So the living wage is twenty two oh eight. So everyone makes above that. And the uh, we also have a ratio that connects the highest paid to the lowest paid of one to three. So the the executive director myself can only makes three times as much as the lowest paid worker. So there is a model to make this this possible. It starts with living our values. But I think for businesses that are thinking, how do I do this? I think the really important thing to remember is when low-income people receive more money, they're not necessarily saving more. They're not necessarily investing more. They're spending in their local communities. So there's some good data out there that suggests that when we see increases in income for those uh, uh, paid the least, that businesses, local businesses, small businesses actually are bringing in more revenue because their customers have more money to spend. Now, how many employees do you have at FoodShare? About 120 or so. Oh, you're little. I mean, relatively speaking, and you're able to pull this off. We have an incredible and mighty team. And, you know, folks that are really committed, like myself, to this idea that everybody deserves access to affordable produce. Everybody should be able to access food with dignity and joy and in community. So that's what we're committed to. And I just am so fortunate to work alongside a team of people that gets that and wants to see the kind of changes that we know is possible. Now, something I mentioned off the top uh, when we started speaking uh, is the good food boxes that you have. And that's something that I had, you know, subscribed to on and off pre-pandemic. You know, during the winter, it's great. During the summer, I'm out at farmer's markets a bit more. I don't necessarily, you know, subscribe to the box. Uh, But you did see a huge increase in subscriptions uh, throughout COVID, which makes sense because people were, uh, especially near the beginning, uh, less likely to go out to get their own groceries. It was nice to have it delivered. It's incredibly affordable. I've mentioned it uh, before that this small uh, produce box um, is $17. It just went up uh, by a dollar. Now that I'm assuming was a really big decision for you because you just raised the prices for the most part by a dollar. And then the organic boxes I noticed by $5. How was that decision made? I have to tell you, Pay, it was one of the toughest decisions we've toughest decisions we've made. You know, we've been impacted, you know, by challenges to the supply chain and, and rising food prices. And for us, we really make want to make sure that we're not sacrificing quality. But we know that the folks that support food share understand that they're also, first of all, they're also seeing the growing costs of produce. And they know that food share is committed to paying fair wages, to providing benefits, including paid sick leave for our colleagues. They know that we're not a large corporation, but a charity that's committed to finding ways to increasing access to fresh produce for folks. Because again, we believe that it's a right. And ultimately, they know that, um, you know, we're committed to living our values. When we announced the modest increase, we also did something that large corporations, I don't think I've ever seen one do. We said that we're going to decrease the prices should prices come down. You know, and when I say increases, like you mentioned, the increases were very modest. So something like, you know, our large good food box, box filled with beautiful fresh produce went from $24 to $25. Which is very, I mean, in my mind, it's very reasonable considering that you don't get a lot for $25 at the grocery store anymore. 
You definitely don't. I look for like you. I look forward to my good food box every uh, week, and it's uh, it's so fresh and so incredible, and it's affordable for folks for many folks across the city. Uh, Paul, I'm wondering because you do pay a livable wage and you have uh, such a strong like community culture within the workplace. How often do you have job openings? <laughs> you know, <we've> got- <laughs> I feel like people listening are like, I want to work here. When's that next uh, job posting go up? I don't know. I, I don't know what your employee turnover is like. You know, I have to say we haven't seen the type of turnover that we've been hearing a lot about uh, recently. And I think it's because we're genuine. You know, there's been a lot of rhetoric about during the pandemic about, you know, people being in this together. But I think at Foodshare, we're really not just saying that we're in this together. We're demonstrating what it means to be in solidarity with our colleagues and in solidarity with folks across the city who are struggling with food insecurity. But I will also say that, uh, you know, every time I chat with someone on the radio or on television, we get calls and emails <laughs> about uh, job openings. I bet. So I anticipate I'll get a few today. <laughs> well, you know, I think the the more interest you get, uh, the better it allows you to keep supporting the different programs out in the community and it allows you to keep doing what you do. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. My pleasure. Thanks again, Pei. Really appreciate speaking with you. That's Paul Taylor, the Executive Director of Food Share Toronto. And that pretty much uh, wraps it up for me today. Uh, I'm Pei Chen. I've been sitting in for Jeff MacArthur today. I want to thank you for listening. And uh, hopefully uh, there was something new for you in the show today. Hi, it's Shauna. And I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan. And I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.